Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Hey, we're in a series called A Great Awakening. Say A Great Awakening. It's simply your roadmap, my roadmap to personal revival and renewal. It's a pathway to freedom. And let me show you this well-known verse that, that will light the way in this series. It's out of 2 Chronicles 7.14. You've probably heard it before, a very well-known verse. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. And this one verse gives us a clear and simple path to a personal revival and, listen, a promise for family and community healing and blessing. And you and I don't have to wait for revival. God can begin the process today. First, when I think of the word revival, I think of this uh, description. An inrush of the spirit into the body that has threatened to become a corpse. It's a pretty good definition. Something needs to live again when it's dying or when it has lost its strength or momentum. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel stuck spiritually and emotionally. Maybe you've lost your passion and purpose. Well, you are a prime candidate for a great awakening. But I realize that in order to revive something, it must be on the brink of losing its life. So let's kick this off with a prayer together. Amen? Just a prayer together. Psalm 85, verse 6. I want to say this out loud together in the count of three. Psalm 85, verse 6. Here we go. Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Love that. And whenever you pray this prayer, you can guarantee that God will begin a work of revival, a great awakening. And so he gives us this roadmap. Uh, and again, here's our verse again. Let's just say this verse together. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Here we go. One, two, three. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. If you were here last week, the story around this verse is this. In the beginning of this chapter, God visits everyone corporately in a church service with this powerful presence. Heaven literally touches earth. It's incredible. Revival is happening. And then God visits Solomon, the leader of this, this thing, dedicating his church, he visits him a few nights later personally and shows him the future where these same people that were just worshiping God would turn away from God and worship other things. They would get themselves into trouble. They would make some bad decisions that would bring some unfortunate results. Welcome to humanity. And as we discovered last week, this happened because they simply walked away from God. No judgment. I think we all understand this common human bent to do things on our own and get in trouble. God doesn't recommend it. It always hurts, but it happens. And that's where our staple verse comes in. 
And the theme of today, when God visits Solomon that night, he doesn't bring a reprimand. He gives Solomon the remedy for rescue. That if you've ever found yourself in trouble, you can always come back home. So he gives him this roadmap. And how God starts this verse is so critical and important. He says, if my people who are called by my name. Now, when I was younger and I got in trouble with my brothers, I would frequently hear this. Just wait till your dad gets home. Did you ever hear that? (laughs) And we all knew what that meant. So we pleaded and cried We tried to appease our mom, even cleaned our rooms. Usually it didn't work. By the way, a little trick. If you're going to be naughty, do it earlier in the day, because they might forget it by the end of the day. Maybe. But it didn't work. So we lived the rest of that day, listen, in fear. Right? Right? And so many people live that way each day, thinking that God is mad at them, he's uncaring, he's distant, he's coming home to give them a spanking, to reprimand them. And I love what A.W. Tozer says. He says, he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Keep that up there. Take a screenshot if you want. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So here's my question. What comes into your mind when you think about God? Forgiveness or fear? His faithfulness or your failure? Love or a list of all the bad things you've done? What comes into your mind? Here's what you need to know. When God's people get into trouble, he doesn't respond by saying, just wait till I get home. He isn't like that. He comes home and says, where are my kids? Where are my kids? I need to embrace them and not disgrace them. Because what they did is not who they are. Yes, we'll have a talk. Yes, we'll learn from it. But I'm coming home with an embrace not disgrace. It reminds me of Adam and Eve. After they messed up, they hid, they were ashamed and afraid because of their decision. And the first thing God said is, where are you? Not what did you do, but where are you, Adam and Eve? Now, he's God. He knows everything. He obviously sees where they are. He sees their physical location, and he knows what they did. And the first thing he says is, where are you? And what God was saying is, he was saying, I know where you are, but you don't know who you are. You've lost you, and you've forgotten how to live. You've forgotten who you are. He says, where are you? See, just like that, the devil stole their identity. And God starts this verse with a revival of identity. This is so important. If my people who are called by my name, whoo, he could have started out with, you're in trouble, or I've got a bone to pick with you, or boy, you really messed this one up. 
No, he starts by reminding them of who they are. Don't you love that? Even when Jesus talks to the seven churches in Revelation, he starts out by telling them all the things he loves about them, and then he goes into fix mode, right? He says, I love this about you. You're doing great. You're doing this great. And then he goes, but I got this one thing I got, I got to fix. That's what he says. And listen, the first thing God addresses regarding revival is our identity. And it makes sense that the devil... That's the first thing the devil tries to steal. The first thing, remember that. The first thing he tries to steal with Adam and Eve and even tried to do it with Jesus in the wilderness, right? He said, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. And Jesus thought, what do you mean if I'm the son of God? Jesus was rock solid, secure in who he was our enemy always goes there first. He attacks God's identity and he attacks our identity. If there's one thing that I hope you leave with this message today is that when the devil tries to come to you and says, you think you're a child of God? And you say, excuse me? I don't recognize that voice. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. Don't you dare try to tell me any different. That's what Jesus did. See, we have a major identity crisis manifesting right now before our very eyes. People are in trouble. And the main culprit is the devil himself. As you meet people, listen, who are struggling with their identity, please follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. That's all I ask. And lead with a revival of identity. Do you know what God does? He tries to pull out of people who they really are. The devil tries to squash it and give them a false identity. But we are to enter their lives and say, if my people who are called by my name. What? Well, let me explain that to you. Because when we get into trouble, if we mess up, God doesn't remind us of what we did. I found, I found that out. He reminds us of who we are first. You know what you did. I know what I did. God knows what you did. I don't need another person making me feel any worse. God comes in a different way saying this. Again, if my people who are called by my name, he revives identity. You can take that down if you want. I want to distract people. Thank you. He revives identity. And by the way, a little, this is what I want to say. He's talking to his church. He's talking to us sitting in this church. He says, no, 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 this is where it starts. If my people who are called by my name, do you know how the world is going to know God? When we know who we are in Christ, right? That's the only way. They're going to know us by the love we show one another. That, that's how they're going to know. Not by my opinion. If my people. Now, this statement is endearing. My peeps, my beloved, my family. God would say, hey, before we move forward together, don't forget we have relationship. Don't forget who your daddy is. Who's your daddy? If you've noticed, our culture is very interested in discovering individual identity. 
personality tests, quizzes are everywhere you look. It seems like so many people are searching for something to tell them who they are, where they belong, and how they fit in. But what they don't realize is this. The only way to discover who they are is to find out who God is. That's it. If you want a great awakening, it starts with a great awareness of your loving heavenly father and who he says you are. That's where it starts. See, he's not coming home with a belt. He's actually coming home with a blessing. Now, I grew up with the belt. I didn't grow up with a blessing. I wish I would have grown up with a blessing, you know? And, and we learned lessons, right? But that's how I grew up. But that's, I found out that's not God. If my people who are called by my name. So let me back this up with a few different verses. James 1.18. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. And this one, 2 Peter 2, or 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. And one more, Ephesians 2, 10. For we are God's, say it. Say, I'm a masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Please don't apologize for your inheritance, your kingdom blessing, your new identity found in Jesus. Look up, stand up. You are royalty. And when we accept this, it's then we begin to realize just how important and valuable we are to him. And we begin to see the plan and our purpose unfold right before our eyes. And we begin this process that this verse gives us of restoration and healing and so much more. Listen, I'm all, I'm all for books. But man, I think sometimes we don't need to throw a book at someone. We need to get in their lives and throw some love at them. I've seen love break down the hardest heart. Broke my heart. Love, you guys. Love the Father, the loving Heavenly Father is always His first move, which is love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Right? That sounds so weak, Dan. Mm. It's so strong. It is so, it's the most powerful thing that you'll ever experience is the true love of God. Because listen, when we get ourselves into trouble, when we get lost, God is on a mission to love. Let me just speak this into you. You are not what the world tries to make you. You are not what people say about you. You are not defined by your past, present, or future. You are not defined by your performance, your possessions, even your popularity. You are a child of God in him. You are unique. You are beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. You are royalty. Say, I'm royalty. If my people who are called by my name, that's the voice you'll hear every time from the Father. 
See, God isn't surprised when his people turn away from him. Grieved, yes, but surprised, no. It's a common historical and biblical fact. God's people forgetting him and abandoning him. But God would say, listen again, I'm not here to reprimand. I'm here to rescue. So like I said last week, it doesn't matter how you got into it. What matters is will you let God get you out of it? Because you can always come home. Let me show you the Father's response as we're winding down. Absolutely love this story, and it shows us, if we believe it, a clear picture of who our Heavenly Father is and what He says about us. This is how the Father responds before and after we fail. After we mess up, when the prodigal son finally came home after rejecting his father, after denying his destiny, and after his royal mess up, his father met him in this way, Luke 15, 20 through 21. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with what? Woo! Filled with love and compassion. I might come with a, a few notes about what to fix, about what you did wrong, uh, the, 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 the duration of, of uh, grounding time in your room, m my, me as a human being. But God doesn't. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Woo! But, but this is the typical first reaction of someone who has messed up and now living in shame. I'm worthless. I have no value. But the father would say, I will have none of that talk, son. He interrupts his son in his shame and disgrace and quickly reminds him of who he is. Check this out, royalty. Look at this, verse 22. But his father said to his servants, quick. I love his word, quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost but now he's found, so the party began. Do you see how the enemy tries to come in when we mess up to try to give us to give up our identity? Oh, you know what, Dan? You, you just messed up. You, you, guess what? Yeah, you can be a servant with God, but you're not a son anymore. Okay. I'll just work hard now. I'll just work and perform for God. I'll be a servant for him. Do you see how the enemy does that? That's a religious mindset, by the way. First thing the son was willing to do was give up his identity as a son in his father's house. The father never lets his son beg. His father quickly squashes any shame. He immediately stops the opportunity for any self-hatred, any regret. Gret, the father seamlessly gives an eager and love-filled, compassionate and celebratory welcome. And check this out. His father wasn't even waiting to hear the confession. I'm sorry. It won't happen again, Dad. Please forgive me. 
He simply just came with a hug and a kiss. And he met him with a ring and a robe, not a spanking and a tongue lashing. He met his son with love and compassion and reminded him of who he was and more importantly, who his father is. See, religion will come and tell you what not to do, but relationship will come and tell you who you are. And it all started with the love of the father. I love Romans. Read Romans 1 and 2. Romans 1 says this. Romans 1, uh, it, it's, like, it's like all these church people saying, you know, um, God's clearly seen in creation. You know how these people have turned away from God and they're, they're worshiping gods and idols. And this is, this is chapter 1. And all of a sudden, chapter 2. But God says, wait a minute. You're just like that. Why are you judging? Why are you saying this about those people? And then he goes on to say this, Romans 2.4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see this kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Read, read Romans 1 until you're like, oh my goodness. Like you, you, all of a sudden in Romans 1, you're like, that's right. Get him, God. Get him, God. And all of a sudden, Romans 2 is like, no, I'm talking to you too, Dan. Oh, okay. Oops. It's awesome. I love it. I love it. If my people, my prized possessions, my extremely valuable treasures who are called by my name, that's how God arrives home after we've been naughty. Not to disgrace, but to embrace. God says, come over and give me a hug. You're my boy called by my name. You're my girl called by my name. And by the way, who lied to you? Who stole from you? I'll deal with him later, God says. But for now, let me just give you a robe and a ring and some sandals to remind you of your identity, your royalty, and your destiny. Because you are who God says you are. Even when they say you don't fit the description, even if they say you don't have the qualifications, even if they tell you don't have the pedigree, you are who God says you are. Jesus was born in a cave. He comes from the line of King David, yes, but also from the line of Rahab the prostitute. Mm-hmm. Same line, same lineage. See, God wants to take you places your resume doesn't qualify you for. God wants to accomplish things you've never done before. And I would say if God called you, they can't cancel you. No man, no demon, no devilish agenda can stop the plan of God for your life. You are a child of God. Not even your past failures or mistakes. You are who God says you are. Obviously, I'm trying to drive a point home today. The world comes with harsh. God comes with a hug. That's just the way it is. See, I could tell you all day long God loves you, that you are his prized possession, that you are chosen, you are adopted, you are royalty, you are his. But if you don't believe it, you can't receive it. And why can't his people receive it? Well, this is how I'm going to land this ship today. I'm going to land it on the moon. Let me explain. If you look at the moon, you may not realize that you can only see one side. One side of the moon. 
You'll probably recognize it when it comes up eventually. There it is. You know that side. You've seen it. A couple craters, you know, what happened there. We see that side. Light shines on it from our perspective. That's the moon we see pretty much every time. The moon orbits in such a way that it, it leaves only one side facing us. The technical term, this is tidal locking. So there's a side of the moon we don't see each month. The dark side, or a better term, the hidden side. Say hidden side. But it turns out that every now and then, a small sliver of the hidden side can be seen on earth due to a phenomena called libration, in which the moon oscillates or shakes each month, revealing, listen, a tiny bit of the moon we'd never see. Think of libration as, as that side-to-side -side shake that the moon experiences. It's not a lot, but enough to reveal a part of the moon's surface that we normally do not see from Earth. Now, in the 1960s, a rocket ship was able to get some pictures of the far side or the hidden side. And what they found was a surface with much more trauma, more damage, more craters. Here's what it looks like. Probably never saw that one. And there's a hidden side to us, a side that many can't see, a side with trauma and wounds and scars, even a dark belief that says God is unhappy with me. I just don't measure up. Maybe if I do all the right things, then God will love me. A far side that says I'm worthless, unlovable, a failure. And until you bring that into the light, you can't truly be you. If we're honest with ourselves, we often feel insecure. And that insecurity has a way of creating a false identity. And a natural tendency to search for identity in external things, in our jobs and careers, places that offer financial success and status. But it doesn't stop there. Many search for identity in relationships, in their looks, their grades, and reputation. All can be birthed from insecurity, a hidden and dark and many times traumatized side of our lives that no one can see. And those who hide it best often feel it the most. And you wonder, like we said last week about the shaking that God says in Haggai, that's still coming. I'm going to shake the heavens and earth. And you wonder all of a sudden when things shake in a little bit, right? And all of a sudden you get angry or fear pops up. You see a sliver of that backside, fear. All of a sudden you see pride start popping up or shame starts popping up because that, that little shake shows you the sliver that we want to hide. But God sees it and he has a plan to heal it. And sometimes when we go through that shifting or shaking, it's just God's purpose to heal what is now revealed. And I just say this to you today. Just give God your hidden side. Now, the Father is so tender. See, I'm not, he already sees the whole thing, right? But even if you just give him a sliver, he can begin the healing 
he can begin the restoration. Just a sliver. Instead of trying to hide yourself, to protect yourself, what Jesus says is lose yourself. To not care so much about what this life has to offer you or what people say about you. It's in the losing of yourselves that we find ourselves. It's in the giving God all sides, our whole self, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That is when we'll begin to experience our personal great awakening. See, our insecurity is an invitation from God for healing. So what keeps us from knowing the Father? The craters of shame, guilt, condemnation, and regret found on the dark side, the far side, the hidden side. And if we think dad is coming home to spank us, we'll do anything to get out of it. We'll run, we'll hide, we'll even lie. We learned that at a young age, by the way. Our kids did that, and they were really young. So I'm like, oh, wait a minute, we didn't teach them that. Why are they trying to hide? Maybe they heard dad raise his voice. Maybe they didn't, maybe they yet to know the truth about how much I love them, right? I don't know. But they blamed it on a cat. So I know they weren't telling the truth. They got moon sand. We, we said, hey, this moon sand, just don't open it. It's going to get all over the place. We walk in there, and there's moon sand all over their face, their bodies. And Alan said, the cat did it. Okay. So what do I do? Let God have your hidden side. Because there's valuable stuff over there. There's buried treasure over there. It might look battered, but it's beautiful to God. You don't have to hide your rugged side anymore, your battered side anymore. He's calling out to you and, and saying, if my prized and dearly loved children, my most valuable treasures who are called by my name will give me their hidden side, they could see themselves and how I see them and everything would change. I found you don't have to find, you don't have to go away to find yourself. You don't have to go to some epic, majestic trip into the mountains. You can find you right here, right now. God can rock your world in a good way right where you are at. I encourage you today, one thing, just give him your hidden side. Because we all have a hidden side. We all have wounds that need to be healed. I want to ask you to pray a courageous prayer right now. This is it. This is just the beginning of the process. Remember, we, we haven't even gotten into the rest of this stuff. There's so much good stuff in here, by the way. Don't be afraid by that word wicked. We're, we're, we're going to address that. Don't want to miss that word, okay? You're not wicked. Come on, you're not wicked. I'm not wicked, right? We'll, 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 we'll talk about that. Some beautiful, life-giving, powerful things that are going to happen in this message series. But today, the first thing we need to do is let God restore identity. But we, in order to do that, we got to let him have the hidden side, even a sliver, even a sliver. So would you just bow your heads? Would you just put your hand over your heart? Because I just want to lead you through just a simple prayer. If you're, it's a courageous prayer. Say this with me. Say, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to experience 
a personal revival, a great awakening. And I realize it's going to start with me giving you my hidden side, my battered side, my tainted side. Lord, what I did is not who I am. I am yours and I am loved and I am your people. Call by your name. Lord, revive me, restore me, and heal me in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Nice job. We'll get this ball rolling. Hey, here's a challenge for you this week. I want to ask you to do one thing. I want you to do this week, talk to God and talk to a trusted friend, all right, about something that's on the hidden side, something that you've never talked about. Find someone that you trust. Obviously, talk to God. He already knows. Just tell him. But find someone. Find someone, right, that you just say, hey, I got to get this off my chest. I promise you, when you do that, healing will begin to take place. Healing. If you confess your faults, your craters, your trauma to another person, you will be healed. Amen. Hey, we love you guys. Have a great day. Prayer team is here to pray for you. We love you. Take care. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.